for us, for anybody, for new Christians particularly, but then for everyone, the book of Romans is a tremendously powerful and important book, laying out basically the foundational principles of Christ, grace, and the resurrection power for us. I would encourage us strongly to read that over and over as the years go by. But as I want to begin to share today, sometimes we have difficulties. And sometimes that becomes a stumbling block for us. Because we think in paradise there should be no difficulties. I'm walking with the Lord. Why is this happening? Um, maybe some of you have had battles such as myself, which is ongoing, but seeming at least now to basically surrender more to the Lord of actually fighting with God. Maybe being mad at God for why did He make you the way that He made you? Why do you have these problems? Why is this situation happening in your life? Why don't you do these things? Maybe some of you have had a battle with God. If you do, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because at least you have the knowledge of God. And you're, you're having a relationship with Him. Before that, man, I just, everything, I'm great and I'm wonderful. But this is, now, I think through that battle, God then is wanting to lead us to a place that we come to know Him. doesn't want us to remain there. See that man, why did He make me like this? I don't know why this isn't... And we actually start having a battle with God. We're supposed to go through that and then realize, as the Bible says, God sometimes just creates us because that's the way He creates us. He has a wonderful purpose in mind. And again, we don't see all things perfectly and we think, wow, this should be, this should be. So if you're having problems, and I don't mean like, you know, some of us just have like problems. You know, like, oh man, the light switch doesn't work and car... Those are like, those are annoyances. But the real problem that we have is inside of us. It's that sin nature, that carnal nature, and then that battle between those two entities in us that the book of Romans addresses. And unless we understand that, sometimes we'll become discouraged not understanding the great power that has been given to us through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I was kind of preparing this, going through all the changes that we go through, in verse 24 of chapter 7 of the book of Romans. Now this is where Paul comes to, and this is the dilemma that Paul the Apostle is having. Well, guess what? Each person has that dilemma. See, sometimes we say, well, man, I... I mean, I, don't, I think even the, Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. And the Bible says being found in fashion of a man. Now, he found himself in a body. Now, God picked that body. Maybe it had some shortcomings. Seems to be it wasn't the most handsome body. Maybe he had a freckles. I don't know. Maybe he, had a, maybe he lisped. Doesn't, but it says, man, it wasn't like, wow, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, I don't know if anybody likes him, but I mean, it was... You know, and oh, wow, a Rock Hudson or something like that. I don't know what you do. I like Cary Grant personally, but I mean, not in that way. But, <laughs> but sometimes I think, well, I think Jesus had the same body. I think there's sometimes, man, if you cut him, he would bleed. If he was, you know, he was hungry. He went through things. He said, man, why can't I? And don't want to. 
I think we have those battles. Now, the Bible talks about that being we're subject to vanity by him who's created us. And the, the, the creation has no right to say, Lord, why did you make me like this? I wish I was smarter. I wish I was not so dumb. wish I could do things. Why aren't I talented? I wish I had my... We know, why didn't my life go this way instead of that way? I don't know why I took that road instead. Why did, all of those things really are not of God. They're really of us. They're really from a sin nature or a place of lust that God is trying to move out of our life that we can serve Him by faith. So if you have those problems, and sometimes they're very severe, they can actually seem to like just totally stifle you. You don't think you can worship God. You're not even saved. I mean, I want to just get out of here. Don't love God. All these things. See, that's exactly what the devil does. Hammer, hammer, curse God and die. Why don't you just... But out of that predicament wants to come the life of Christ. And this is the great news that we have in the gospel is that sin has been condemned in us. We have been, for lack of a better word, and I was, well, I won't, I won't say that, but sometimes you just kind of like want to get, man, and then I began to think, well, God already passed a judgment on me. For the wages of sin is death. He had my old man, my sin nature, this actual carnal body, part of that, is sentenced to death. But that is not where he leaves us. He doesn't leave us without hope. He gives us the gospel and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, though with my natural man, I've got all this stuff going on. And sometimes we think, oh my God, I just can't continue. I can't get rid of these thoughts. I'm always plagued. And why do I have these problems? And God is like this, and I don't want... Well, this is not an abnormal situation. As a matter of fact, it should be a very normal situation if you're born again. See, it's not abnormal for a baby to have to have its diaper changed. The only reason it wouldn't have to have its diaper changed if it was dead or wasn't born. But now that we're born again, we have, we're born again, we finally start to have life, and we go, yuck! Man, I don't want... I was not... what Because my dead man doesn't know what to do with real life. So it's like, oh my goodness. Like, we kind of like have, it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's a secret. We're kind of like, and I, mean, I, I wouldn't recommend watching these movies, but we're kind of like the land of the dead or the land of the zombie. Within this dead body, there's something else at work. And now it's the Lord Jesus Christ. But the, the body and sin have been judged and condemned. We no longer are debtors to live there or to stay there or even be condemned by those things that work in that part of the body. Because the life that we now have is from another kingdom and it's, it's not even of us, it's Christ. And it's the desire and the will of God that the nature of Christ would work through this mortal body and that's where the problem comes. So I want to say it in a word of teaching, but also in a word of encouragement, if you've got those problems, you're right where you should be. Doesn't that make you mad? I didn't want, well, see, you didn't choose that. God chose it and said, this is, I am at perfect work with this. And we come to terms with that. We start allowing the life of Christ to take greater and greater dominion over this life of the carnal nature and the self nature. And that's where the battle is. So if you find yourself in that predicament, praise God. And we're going to talk about that. That's an important thing to do. Verse 24. Now many of us find ourselves in that. How many people have woke up maybe this morning or this week or in some situation? Oh, wretched man that I am. 
Oh, I wish God would just kill me. I just, I've tried. I've been, I've been serving God for 20 years, and I'm just no better. Man, I tried to do this, and out came this way. I just, man, I wanted to do good, and I didn't, and just, oh, God, there's no, no hope for me. Well, that's where he wants you to come from. You have no hope in yourself. Abraham, who finally came to the place of having no hope, what happened? He had hope. Not in his mortal body, not in Abraham's ability to somehow be better, but we haven't, we've been given an eternal hope that's actually not even up to you. It's the foreordination and choosing of God that He's called you. So with the body, all this stuff is going on, but from God's eternal purpose and the Holy Spirit, there's something else going on. So in, in, your, in, your, in your mind, oh man, man, I don't know why. I shouldn't even be at church here today. And oh wow, this happened. And I, man, I, I, oh God, forgive me. I just won't think of when the sermon's going to get over. And man, all these things are going on. He says, you see, be still. How many people can't even be still? Have you ever tried going to bed sometimes and you're like, man, I know it's not a problem. I shouldn't worry. And man, be still and know that he's God. Okay, I know you're God. So now if, if, if whatever may happen, I'm in God's hands. But there's still a wretched man. The wretched man is like, oh, wow, I can't sleep, and I don't know, and what, what's going to happen here, and oh, man, I need to... Shh, don't give place to that, that it rules your life. You're going to battle with it, but it should not rule our life. We are no longer debtors to live under that. That's why in chapter 8 it says, there's therefore now no condemnation. We've been set free, not that we've gotten any better, but by the law of grace, that Jesus Christ has taken that away, crucified it, on the cross, and now He is living in you that the life of Christ may live through your mortal body. So in the outward man, you look like a zombie, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our hope needs to be on Christ. The enemy wants us to get to look at you and then say, you don't look anything like this, and say, thank God I don't. He is, though. Okay, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, good place to be. Who shall deliver me from this, all this body of death? Who's going to deliver me from all my trials? Man, I have bad thoughts and I have wicked things. And yesterday I, this, I got an argument here and I didn't pray right. And man, I was mad at God. And wow, I was just tempted. Who's going to deliver me? I've tried and tried for 30 years, 10 years. I wanted to, And it just doesn't work. Paul is saying, oh man, there's just no hope. Have you found anybody here? Does anybody relate to this or is it just, just me? Yeah, good. Well, I know it's not me because it's just it's the Bible. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So we have these two natures. We have a battle going on within us. Therefore, he's going to go right on here. There's therefore now no condemnation. God actually, when he came into your life, revived the battle. See, before you were already succumbed. You were already in prison. You had already surrendered. Your eyes were blinded. We didn't even know what life was. But thanks be to God, He resurrected us. And for the first time, I had some feelings. And we're going to talk about that. But therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Now, you can walk in Christ Jesus. Or we can walk we can let that rule over us. There would still be no condemnation from Christ's point of view or from His perspective, but you could sure ruin your life. So there is therefore now no condemnation. He knows that this battle is going on. 
For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Thanks be to God. So this morning, I hope your flesh is condemned. See, we have been condemned to die. We that are about to die salute you. Sounds great in the movie till you're actually in the arena. I don't want to you go. We've been, that's what Paul says another way. Every day we're counted as what? Sheep for the slaughter. And Paul is not saying that, oh man. He's kind of glorying in that. His perspective is different. And he's saying, I've got to come back to knowing that my flesh, by the grace of God and the will of God, is condemned. But thanks be to God, there is therefore no, no condemnation on me, this per, the, me, the person that walks in Christ Jesus. Amen? Okay. So now from that, when we're going to talk more on that, I read something, I think it maybe it was this morning, and I want to share that a little bit. I think it was from Oswald Chambers. Because I, I, I believe many times, as I shared last week, I believe the devil successfully deceives us. Not in understanding the Word of God, and this is what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees, you're reading it, you don't rightly discern it. Now remember, Paul, the Bible talks about the Timothy. Rightly discerning the word of truth, so you can know how to walk. And when the Pharisees reading it, what did he say? You'd make a lot of mistakes. You walk incorrectly, not knowing the word. And they said, we're reading it. No, no, you don't. And not knowing the power of God. See, if we don't understand what the word really is addressing, man, I could... And you kind of see all kinds of funny things go off and not knowing the power of God that we just talked about. He has redeemed me. He has set me free. Flesh is condemned. Sin is condemned. Condemnation is condemned. But the life of Christ now lives in me. Now, if we don't understand that, we allow the devil to play off that old nature, and instead of living in the Spirit and living in the grace of God, we're living under the, just basically under the law, trying to be good and we can't, and then we get mad and we get bitter and we get angry, and pretty soon we just say, oh man, it's just... And how many times have you seen Christian? It just doesn't work anymore. I have just had it. I've tried. Well, that's right. But you didn't come to the right conclusion. You should come to the cross. It's exactly where God wants us to be, saying, I have no hope in myself. Can't do it. Now, this is what I read. The conscience is the faculty in me which attaches itself to the highest that I know and tells me what the highest I know demands that I do. Okay? Now, Paul talks about that in, in the book of Romans again, that either our conscience is condemning us or the conscience is excusing us. Now, I, wanna, I, I know this is kind of a little bit heady, but it, it, I think it's important. Many times we believe we are walking by our conscience. Not necessarily a bad thing. The conscience only comes up to the highest that it has been taught. So it, if it, at some point it has been taught that lying is bad, it'll try not to lie. It'll say, no, don't do that. If it's been taught that don't smoke cigarette, don't smoke. If it's been taught that, man, you should cut the enemy's head off, it'll cut the enemy's head off. It is a, not a final morality. It is just what it knows as the highest. Now, many times we allow our consciences still to dictate our actions. That is not what God intends. There is something and someone higher 
than my conscience. It's God. And even though sometimes my conscience will condemn me, or my conscience would say, like Paul said, Peter said, I'm never going to eat that. See, I have learned not to eat that. My conscience knows that's wrong. God said, slay and eat. Now, his con- he had a, mor- if you would, a moral dilemma in himself, but it was only based on what he knew to be the highest, not on God calling us. And so, Paul the Apostle thought he was doing the right thing, killing the church, until God appeared to him and said, that is not right. And his conscience then would have to be changed. And so, now this is really what the Bible is talking about, that we are now being transformed by the renewing of my mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe much that does not take place in our lives. We do not allow our minds to be changed, which changes my conscience or vice versa, that actually causes me to walk with God. I remain a conscience-based person, good, evil, this is what I've been taught, and not, oh, this is what God demands of me. Now, I believe also that our conscience can also be like a society conscience. That's why the Bible talks about that their consciences are seared with a hot iron. And no longer, that's what I'm saying, they, they don't feel anything anymore. See, now, and again, sometimes we get deceived, and it's not really a conscience thing, it's a matter of pride. Now, I was thinking about this. See, now, I became a very staunch religious vegetarian. Not for conscience sake. Okay, it wasn't like, it did not start out with, man, I believe killing animals is wrong. I just think it's a, no, it came for like a holy reason. Like, man, I want to attain to some nature, and so I gave myself to it. Now, once I gave myself to it, guess what happened to my conscience? My conscience then began to change, and out of a place of pride, and self-righteousness, my conscience began to justify, like the Romans says, what I was doing. Killing animals is wrong, and I don't think... And pretty soon, my conscience would change. My mentality on views of life, which used to be... I remember writing things down. I used to be strongly against drugs. I wished everybody that was involved in drugs would be killed, and they would be arrested, and I thought it was wrong. I don't know. And guess what happened? I started to use drugs. And when I did it, I knew it was wrong. But after a while of wrong behavior, pride and self-arrogance kicks in, and my conscience says, there's nothing wrong with it. See, I think it's a good... You can change your conscience. Are you following me? So many times we're not all... But sometimes it doesn't start out as a... mat. Well, I just believe it's right. No, you don't necessarily believe it's right. You're proud. You have a point of view you want... Now, I want you to stop that so I can talk to you. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Because sometimes we've got these views of life, like, like I was giving you several of them before, and I find over my, the course of my life, where even, I mean, just even basic things, sometimes it's stealing. Stealing is a wrong thing. Maybe, maybe somebody here has stolen something. Then the first time, it's like, oh my. And pretty soon, I know it's wrong, but I did it. And after a while, my conscience then gets seared, and I now, once the thing that I once condemned, I'm actually justifying in my life. Through bad actions, a conscience and a life can be changed. Now, if we don't understand that we stay conscience-bound people, only morally in our own selves, to the highest that I know. But we're to know him who's higher than all things. 
and he's saying there's something greater than your conscience. Now, you're following that. Now, each of us have that battle within us. There's things that, man, I just I don't feel that. Like. And, and many a times, it's not a matter of, like I said, moral from this book and from God's perspective. It's, it's just the way I do it. And I don't want to do it. And I'm trying to not eat meat because of this reason. And then pretty soon, it, my whole life has changed. And we see this now taking place in, in, in the world. Now, over a course of time, actions change conscience then changes to where used to be you don't dress like that or you we know what you're doing. Now not only do you dress like that, you better dress like that and you're wrong for thinking anything bad about it. The conscience has changed. Through what? Incorrect behavior based on whatever it is, but then it changes my conscience and my viewpoint and then my life is changed. Now we need to go back and say, then God then wants to change my life. Again, in this world, because Christ is to be made manifest in this mortal body, to this world, to the church, to your children, to generations come. And it's going to be like, change your thinking, Peter. Do this, do this. And pretty soon he would be moving along. Now, those are the issues that God, that are working in our lives and that we battle. It needs to be a change of conscience. Okay? Now, God is higher than our conscience. We have here, and again, it's, it's a mystery, and we only take it by faith, but by taking it by faith, my conscience and my life are therefore changed. The Word of God is a great mystery. There is no one who knows it completely. There is no one that can explain it to you completely. There is no one that can say, man, this is... There has to be something that rises up and says, all right, and so my dad said that. I believe that. And I'm going to act on that. And when I begin to act on it, guess what happens? It becomes my value and my life. Now, I'm going to just put that in parentheses right over here. Now, I notice... Now, there's just so much here. I'm not going to... We'll take that out of the parentheses put it back here. Okay. We, the only thing that is of any value in our life, collectively and individually is what we just talked about in Romans, is the resurrection and the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more necessary than that. No matter what you do, from now on, you will not become any more righteous from that perspective. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that is the all in all. You are forgiven and He lives in you. Amen? But that does not negate the rest of what God is saying. And this is where I believe the enemy comes in and successfully deceives us because your brain is too small. And many times he'll use your own conscience against you. Your conscience is not always correct. It could be wrong. And most likely is. So my need and my sufficiency is, uh, is Christ. But yet, we are, we are to press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ. Well, what's the, all I need is, but we are called to press towards the mark of the high calling in, in Christ. Despite, this is very important, despite yourself and your shortcomings. Oh, I'll never get there. I can't never do it. Oh, they're better than me. I've tried. Despite all that, 
Christ is our sufficiency, and I am called to press towards the mark in the high calling of Christ, no, despite or no matter what else of condemnation, doubts, fights you've had with God, all your kind of, despite all that, I must press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now again, that brings up a battle within me. Because most of us do not like to battle. We would rather say, I'm just going to give up. I, I, you know, I just don't want to deal with that in my mind anymore. I am tired of... I'd rather have my conscience seared so I don't feel anything anymore. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I just don't want to have relationships. I don't want... That's searing our conscience, saying, conscience, shut up. You don't feel anything anymore. And when I got saved, that all came flooding back at me. For I was made alive, and I went, oh, man. I had put that aside. And many of us have those same problems. We don't... Well, let's bring that out and say, God, I thank you that there's no condemnation. That was sin in me. But now that, now that you've forgiven me, I still have that battle. But I want to press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I don't want to settle for what my mind and conscience have dictated for my life. I want you to be my reward. I want you to be my director. I want no matter... And it may be painful, and it may be like, oh man, I'll never get this. And that's why... Well, that's not why. We're going to try to take this in stride here. So, in according to Romans, see, with my mind, I'd like to serve God, but in the man, this flesh, there's all these problems that go on, and I, I think there's things that we need to examine. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody or point anybody out. So I'm not going to use names, but I believe it's time that we like start looking at some things in our life and say, you know what? That's not pressing towards the mark and the high calling in Christ Jesus. And that really, and a, and a reverse can happen. See, if good actions can change my conscience, then the Bible says evil communications or actions will corrupt your walk with God. So I think just by not pressing in to the mark on what God has called us, we actually sear our conscience and actually get further away from God than drawing close to Him. So I, I think in all our lives, God is wanting us to, to, to say, "Thank, let's praise God, but I'm falling short. But in my falling short, despite myself, I must press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. I was listening to the Republican debates the other day, and one of the men said something, and I, I thought he said it rather well, and I, I'm going to try to paraphrase it, because basically he was a, not accused, but like he had fallen short of some standards that he set. And they said, well, this is going to be used against you in the election. He says, well, it very well could be, and they'd be sure right to do that. But just because I fall short in my pressing towards that mark does not make that mark incorrect. I, I can say, well, no, that mark doesn't exist, and I will be satisfied. But we are never to be satisfied. The Bible talks about we have not attained, we're to be pressing on. Not being, well, that mark is too far. It's always like, it's kind of like the donkey and the carrot. It's always like, little more to go, little more to go. Well, let's just lower that a little bit. Well, you lower that a little bit, and you lower that a little bit, and the lower your morals become, the higher the dresses on the ladies get. You'll, you'll, you'll watch this. We're going to talk about that. All right. Well, what's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it. See, I tell you, a few years ago there was something wrong with it. Everybody knew that. But professing themselves to be wise, we become fools. Oh, I don't see anything wrong with it, you dodo head. How hard can you be? Now, I'm not condemning anybody. Because I, I have, I mean, in my flesh, I look at this and go, why can't we just do anything we want? I don't see anything wrong with. I saw nothing wrong with just about everything in this in this world. Once I, now, before my conscience was 
started to act like this, then my conscience was changed, seared, and then God had to redeem me. Now he's saying, nope, nope, nope. And my conscience, my thoughts, my life has to change. That's the pressing in despite yourself. Now you're going to have a lot of despiting yourself. Get up and make a ham sandwich. We don't eat ham. No, that's your conscience, not God. Now, you know, I'm, I'm using a reference, okay? I'm not talking about ham sandwich. But at some point, it will become a ham sandwich. See, at some point, the cross actually is a physical place called Calvary and has physical nails and physical Roman soldiers and it, you actually have to eat a ham sandwich and you're going to have to actually stop doing that and do this. That is where I think the enemy breaks us down and we don't allow ourselves to strip ourselves off, wrap a towel on and actually serve in this way. And unless we see that it is God that is working in me, I allow my conscience to dictate to me and I think, well, that's okay. I don't see anything wrong with that. And you know, the, the amazing thing is the grace of God, which is meant to lead us to repentance, God seems so... And it's one of my problems with God. Till he reveals that, you know, I'm not dead. Why doesn't God just come down here and, like, punch him in the nose? I don't know why he doesn't stop that. Just seems to let that... Because he's calling forth, draw me, O Lord. My bridegroom called. Will you get up and follow? And this is what we've been talking about in Proverbs. Are you hearing that instruction? Are you hearing something that goes, ooh, and then rises up, either well and rise up and say, yes, I think I'll do that because I believe that's fine. Man, I just don't see that. Or man, I just don't. I, I, no, 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 no. You have an excusing going on or accusing. It's your conscience at work, not God. Because the promise is, yes, I'll do that. Amen. Now, I may have great difficulty in doing it. And I realize it will change my personality forever. My family doesn't know me anymore. They know one person. They don't know this person. And it's a scary, it's a scary thing. And I go, now I've still got all these problems, but I must be pressing towards the mark. Left to myself, I would believe none of this, and God would not be taking place in our lives. Now let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 7. I believe God is looking for a return of love to Him. Don't think He forces it. Don't think He demands it. But I believe it's one of his ultimate goals is that people that say, not doing it perfectly, like I said, you might be falling short, you still might have great battles, but I aspire to that, I speak it, and I press towards that. Now, I wish I was more perfect. I wish I could get up and say, folks, everything I do is just terrific. Now, there are some things that I believe by the grace of God that I follow as general principles that I wish you would all grab hold of a lot more. But along with that, there's some th areas in my life, like I'm confessing here, that I just don't, I'm not very proud of. I sometimes have arguments with God. I sometimes, man, I just don't understand it. And I'm coming to a place to where those arguments are getting a little more civil, civil with, in me. But man, I, and I, God sometimes has to bring us to those places. There's times that you've, I've been impatient. I don't think that's a good quality. Sometimes I've got angry, mostly because I'm this battle. And man, I just don't like what God, man, I just, that's not a right thing. Like I said, I don't want to embarrass too many people here except myself, but I don't know how much more embarrassed I could get. But I think in each of our lives, like I said, the, cross, the God is bringing things into your life to mold you into the image of Christ, and we can either press towards that mark, and it's through great difficulty. Sometimes it's through great difficulty. 
I give myself to that? And we're going to probably be touching on some of those areas, saying, you know what? And we can, oh, that's, or we can say, that's my cross. That's God working in my life. Now, again, as we go through life, I think God has somehow, in each of us, there are some natural qualities that may be good. There's some people that have a natural ability, they just don't lie. Not necessarily, it's, it's only a godly quality if we're in Christ and we use it for the building up of the body. But it's a natural, it's like poison ivy. Poison ivy makes you itch. It's just, that's the way it is. There's some people who automatically dress nicely. Not necessarily. Each of us probably have a few of those areas. Some people are hardworking. Some people are laid back. Some people are kind. Some people are handsome. Some people, you understand what I'm saying? See, some people just, oh, they're always just happy and praising God. Other people, it's a major... Thank God you have at least something like that. That's mostly where God is not dealing in. Okay? Add to your life some qualities that you don't have. And you know what? You don't, you know, the laid-back person views the diligent and pressing-in person as, man, he's just, way, man, he's just too, too radical. And the diligent person is always busy. Man, I wish that lazy bum... No, these are both God. Now, the lazy, per- the, the laid-back person needs to be more diligent. And the diligent man needs to be all over this lazy bum for being... <laughs> but not look at it like, oh, we don't... No, there's sometimes you ought not to be happy. The Bible says there's a time for everything. There's a time for mourning. You go to a funeral and go, ha, 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 praise God. This is a... <laughs> man, what is wrong with that person? Well, I'm just praising God. No, that's stupid. There's a time that you ought not to be happy. I'm teaching some of the children like that. When someone's yelling at you for you being in trouble, don't you go, you're going to get a whack. You're, that's the wrong response. It'd be like if the police say, step out of the car slowly, don't make any sudden moves, you go like this. You're going to, it's the wrong response. Now, I don't care. I don't care if you had a bad motive or not. You will probably be shot. Okay? There's a right response. And that's what I'm talking about. Learn the right response. Okay, now. I believe it's time for us to become the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, don't expect it to become perfect. But say, you know, this area, I need. that's just my own pride or conscience, and I'm not being changed in that. Now, you might always battle with that. Paul seemed to have a battle. He said... This messenger of Satan buffeted me. It, it tormented. There was things that bothered him. I think his, this is just me personally, I think his conscience bothered him all the days of his life. He would look out and maybe in prayer and you can sure bet the devil was there remembering this face who he had persecuted. Remembering this family that he tortured. Remembering all those churches. That was a constant... And he actually said that. Of all the saints, I am the least of the saints. I am not worthy to be... But that didn't say, well, I'm no good. He says, but I'm going to glory in what Christ has done. If you want me to talk as a fool, I'll tell you who I am. And I can, by pride, tell you all this wonderful stuff. And my conscience was once there. Garbage! I want to tell you about Christ. That was a battle. You will have those same battles going on in your life. Now, that's why I believe Proverbs is tremendously important because I believe it's trying to impart a heart of love and relationship that willingly takes up the cross. 
yields itself to something that I would not naturally do myself and say, Father, I do that. I know it may even look like it will be for my demise. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't see not really what I want to do. And you see, see the examples in the Scripture are one after the other after the other. And I, it would fail me to tell you about those. But in your life, it comes to those places. Isaac, carry the wood. I ain't carrying that wood. I don't feel like carrying that wood. Don't have any right to carry that wood. I think you're going to kill me, and I think that's morally offensive. No longer is he serving God and what he has been taught. He's back on conscience to what he knows is the highest instead of what God has. Now you're going to come to those points and it's going to be... You see that all through the life of almost every saint. Abraham, Lot, you choose. What a dummy! Lot, you're going to give Lot the choice? Don't you know that's going to be bad for you? Man, if I make that choice, it's going to ruin my life. My life is not my own. And if God is so desired from at least my perspective to ruin my life, hallelujah. Now, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to have some battles in that. But I must choose to say, Lord, I will obey what you say. I'm going to press toward that mark. I may have a problem with it. I may not always do it correctly. I may be impatient here and there and have some other problems, but I'm going to ascribe to that and do that even though it may look like it's going to cost me. But in God, it will never cost you. It will only cost you your pride and your conscience, but not your life. Are you following what I'm saying? And each of us have areas like that in our life that God is saying, I want you to put that aside. Now, He will not force you to do it, but the great word is if you'd like to be my disciple, I would like you to take up your cross. Now, your cross may not be going actually to the cross. Most of us will not be crucified. As a matter of fact, I could guarantee money on it that most of us here, all of us, will probably not be crucified. Most of us will probably not be martyred. Most of us probably will not even have persecution in the sense that we know from the Bible. But he's going to say, take up your cross. And the cross may be, I want you to sell all that you have, give it to the poor. I want you to drop your nets. I want you to... And now what we need to do is that same God that is at work is going to say, I want your homework done on Friday night. I want you to practice your piano. I want your room cleaned like Grandma's room. Now, unless I wrap my mind around that, that's always going to be... And we never are changed. Now, that's the reality that God is speaking to me. There's certain actions that I take and I don't take that are no longer in my personal hand. I'm, I'm just, i got to confess some things. I'm going to confess in the flesh, okay? We were sitting out... I don't even share these things with my wife sometimes because they're just... I know t- they, they might sound foolish to you, but these are the battles that I go through, and I hope maybe in, in some respect they can help you. We were sitting outside or something, and, we, and my wife said, is there anything else... I think she got me a glass of soda. We were just sitting out kind of in the cool of the day. And I said, you know, she said, is there anything else you like? Now, most of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about is not sin, and you probably have every right to do it, which makes it even harder for me. And I thought in my mind, I'd like a cigar. <laughs> I, I used to smoke cigars. I mean, it's been a long time. Actually, I didn't smoke as much. I chewed on. But anyway, uh, but I, I didn't say that to her. 
First off, if I speak it, it's going to empower it. And second off, you know what? There's nothing... I know men of God who smoke cigars. Uh, I'm talking about today, not, you know... Um, and I really can't tell them not to. But I know that's just a lust of my flesh that would not send the example that I want for you. See, I think I'm perfect... And I'll tell you what's even harder. You know what a nargula is? A water pipe. And in the Middle East, I don't know why God sent me to the Middle East. It's, it's been a stumbling block for me. They have nargulas that, they're what, six, eight feet tall, made out of brass with these beautiful hoses, and you sit on... I never did it. And they make this beautiful bubbling sound, and I can just see myself sitting back on the pillow. Now, I, don't, I think I could do that and serve God in some facility. But I don't believe that's what God has called me to do. There may be men of God who did that. You have to make your calling and election sure. Now, I think there's certain things. I, I'm just going to confess. Now, years ago, I used to tease my wife about getting, I tease her because I know she would never do it, get a little butterfly tattoo somewhere. But where it's going to be, no one was going to do it. But she wasn't going to do that. Now, I think we could do that. But I think it's not what God has called me to do. There are certain actions and walks that we, I do and don't do, not because I'm not tempted. And I don't even know if tempted is the right word. Not because I don't like them or I do like them. don't believe that's what I've been called to do because not what I've been instructed to do. Talking to Jim out in uh, New Jersey, and sometimes it comes up and he says, yeah, these brothers are doing this and this, this happens in the church. And I said, and his response is the same thing. He says, you know, I've, I wanted to do that, but I just couldn't see Jim talking like that. I know brothers that have gotten into cursing. Just, they curse. Now, I guess you could do that, because, you know, Bible makes, you know, don't curse, but, you know, I guess you could curse. I can't see, that's not my instruction. So now I have a dilemma in my conscience of what I should do. Because left to my conscience, I would do all of that. And then some. I think you can drink beer. I think you can drink wine. I think you can drink anything you want. I don't do that. Not what I've been instructed to do. I don't have like, oh man, you're going to hell. Now that's what the Muslims never understood, um, because they said, do you drink? I said, no. Is it a sin? I said, absolutely not, because I mean, I'm Armenian, and over there, so the Armenians are drunkards. That's where all the Mormon, the uh, Muslims go to get their wine. And they were very shocked at first off, as a Westerner, I didn't drink. And as an Armenian, I didn't drink. They thought, this is very strange. We want to ask you some more. And then the Bible says it's not sin. Well, there was something else working in me. It's called a calling and obedience to what we're called to. Now, again, oh, you think, no, I said I have plenty of shortcomings in my life. There's things that, you know, I still, I go, there's this beautiful, I'm confessing here, okay? There's a beautiful cigar store in the Istanbul airport. I go by there and hoping the door will open so I can get a whiff. And I look at all the sizes. But you know, thank God, I think the last time I smoked a, I mean a good cigar, I think they were 50 cents. And that lasted me all day. Well, does anybody know what a cigar costs now? It's got to be... You know, I told, I, I'll use this example. I said, the last time that I smoked cigarettes... Now, I'm not down on any of this stuff. I think it's stupid. I, I'll tell you why it's stupid. Last time I smoked cigarettes, I was rolling at 10 cents for probably 
almost a pack and a half. I said, at 10 cents, I could afford to be stupid. At $5 a pack, I'm not that dumb. Okay? So there's some good common sense to that as well. Are you following what I'm saying? Even though I'm trying to be light, because I know it's like, man, I know sometimes it's just like you get, you get hammered on these things. And your mind is like this, and there's this battle. I need to say, God, what have you called me to do? Well, that's what I give myself to do. If not, these kind of behaviors will go on, and then my conscience is there, and then pretty soon what my calling is very easy to lose. And pretty soon, oh, well, now we're doing this and we're doing that. And we're not my, it's not my work. I believe if you're called here, your homework should be done on Friday night. Now, we have no such doctrine in the church, except that's what's going to go around town. You know what they believe in them. I think you need to be a diligent person. I think there's things that you ought to do, ought not to do. And I believe we need to give ourselves to that so that God can change my conscience, change my life to fulfill his vision. Now, th- some of those things you won't like, you're not even going to agree with. I said, I, no one ever taught me to bug you. Better, you better not shoot tobacco anymore. You better not smoke anymore. Better not, just like those things are not what, oh, I observed and said, oh, that's not what we do. I've got that. Now, that's become an integral part of my life. Even though at one point, my conscience and life was totally engrossed in it. Paul says it another way. The things that we once did, we now condemn. His life was changed. Okay, turn your Bibles to Proverbs 7. My son, chapter verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Now see, it's imparting something here more. And this is what I think we fail, because we're not, we, don't, we are not people that know what love is, nor do we know how to love. We're people that, again, in the flesh, live under fear and under commandments. So if we're not being forced to do it, and no one's yelling at us, then we don't do it. This is not the response that God wants from us. When he's speaking here, keep my commandments and live, and let the law as the apple of your eye, not like... Dad's not here. Boy, we get to do it. No, no, no. There needs to be a place. Because if not, I would say, and I, I saw people do this. Man, Jim's dead. Man, we're going to get to do our... Oh, my God. Haven't you learned anything? Is that really what... The only thing keeping you is... I learned something. I said, wow. I mean, it will be like the, the, the disciples saying, wow, praise God, Jesus is dead. Let's go back fishing. This is like, I, I, I've had it. I, that was, man, that was the worst three years of my life. No, no, no. They began to say, and they, they remembered their lives were changed because they, when they saw Jesus do his common stuff, he got his homework done, he got his room clean, he practiced his piano, he wasn't chewing, he was, oh, that's Jesus. We remember him now. See, the words are all, the, that's wonderful. Everybody preaches the Bible. But there has to be a servant's heart that says, I heard my father. Now, I have that same view my father has. It became the apple of my eye. That's a good commandment. Yeah, but I like to drink. I know. I mean, I have a right. To, I have a moral right to drink and celebrate Christmas. But anyway, there has to be a change that says, keep my commandments and live, and the law as the apple of your eye. Oh, this is a good thing. Now, I know there's battles, but I say that's what I set my heart to do. That's what I ascribe to do. That's what I preach, even though it may bring what appears 
to be harm to my life. Are you following that? Okay. Bind them upon your fingers. Remember we talked about binding them. The book of Deuteronomy says, make sure you tie them on here. Oh, oh, that was just some good advice. Yeah, well, you know, no, no, no. You can't take it like that. Bind them on your fingers. Why? Because this is what you're going to do. With what you do. See, Jesus said, He judged them on what they did or didn't do. Oh, I bind them. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, but I want... No. Remember conscience? No, that's right. God, no. Then I don't do those. Bind them on your fingers. What are you going to bind on your fingers? Not the Word of God only. Your Father's commandments. And write them on the table of your heart. So it needs to be in your heart, but also in what you do as best as you can, okay? And work at that. Remember, Christ is our all in all, but we're pressing towards the mark. Say unto wisdom. Now, this is going to, make, this is going to take a little bit of a jump. And it's very interesting that this, these two chapters are put almost at the end of where God is talking about Father's instruction and commandments and teaching them. And I never saw this before, and I think he's summing something up to us. For they... Okay... For they keep an oath. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding my kinswoman. Now the Bible, particularly Proverbs, the Bible uses the feminine gender, you like that word? Women, as the depiction of wisdom, understanding, and not being stupid. Okay? Conversely, it also uses women as being smutty, arrogant, a pain in the neck. But he's saying here, make wisdom like your sister. Make understanding like your aunt, like your kinswoman. So he's now going to make a switch here. And many times we read this, we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, wait a minute. He's just not talking about the harlot out on the street corner. He's trying to tell me something different here. So now, how am I looking at my father's instruction? Is that my sister or some ugly duckling? Is that my... Okay. They keep understanding as thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman. So now you're supposed to be looking at the instruction as you look to your grandma. Okay, there's some women around that don't look like a grandma. Okay, and they're they're okay. But when you want right stuff, look for a woman that looks like your grandma. Takuhi can do no wrong. There she is. And I I know she had a problem, but she was presenting an image that impacted me as a child. And I was watching the children, the young children today. Everybody that came into the church, and into prayer particularly, they checked you up, up and down. And their conscience in their life is now being formed. Their idea of what a woman looks like, because I've got all granddaughters, which is nothing wrong with. Their idea of a woman, you are, you are forging in their brain. What are you speaking? Are you speaking wisdom and understanding? Or there's going to be another woman. That, that, that Grandma is supposed to keep you from the other woman. The other woman ain't ugly. 
The other woman has got some stuff that is going to cater to that flesh that we were talking about. It's going to say, I got a ton of cigars, and it's okay. And there's really nothing wrong with it. As a matter of fact, dad's gone. He's dead. It's okay. I've been to church. No, no. Grandma said, don't do that. Mom said, don't do that. You forsake her law, and there's going to be a strange woman out there. Now, I'm not talking a physical woman. But what we do in the physical personifies what's going on. Are you following me? Okay. So it's meant to keep us from another kind of a woman. Remember, there's two kinds of women. For the stranger which flatters with her words. There's going to be a strange woman out there that's going to tell you everything's okay, honey. You can do anything you want. There's nothing wrong with it. Ah, your dad, he's old. That was for another generation. But now it doesn't mean the same thing. Ask a five-year-old what that means. It's to keep us from that woman that flatters with her lips. That says, hey, there's nothing wrong with cursing. Go ahead and curse. There's nothing wrong with drinking. Go ahead and drink. Get a test. Do that. There's all kinds of stuff. And again, I'm not here to condemn that. We have no doctrine in church. I'm saying, that's not what I do. Okay? To keep you from the flattering with her words. For at the window of my house, I looked out through the casement. There's the first step. That's what David in trouble. When you start looking outside your house, wow, that's really neat. We don't have that in our yard. Wow, I mean, they had actually, you know, we, there's actually kids who had like toy guns instead of sticks in our neighborhood. You know, they actually had mitts, helmets for, to play football. Sissy stuff. We started looking out and going, oh, wow, wow. I can get all this done and do that. And I can, wow, look at that. I can dress like this. And, you know, they're not, be careful when you start looking out the window. Okay? Talking about in your mind. And beheld, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among them the youths, a young man void of understanding. Now, most people that are void of understanding look like they're pretty smart. The grasshopper thinks he's, ah, <laughs> you stupid old ass. What are you doing collecting all that? It's summertime. I'm living it up. Have you ever? David had the same problem. Why is all the wicked people prospering? Man, I'm trying to serve God and I'm just being beat down. Here's old Joe Schmo, the guy's a, a crook and he's just being blessed out of his side. He had those problems. Not what we're called to. Okay? Man without understanding. Unfortunately, the person without understanding might be driving a Porsche. Might have a butterfly tattooed somewhere. Might be going to church and hanging out with all the, you know, wrong crowd. But it looks like... Have you ever noticed the under, people without understanding look like they probably got it together? God's saying, don't, don't, don't give place to that. That's why it's called temptation. Okay? Behold... And don't, and don't be simple. Don't be naive. It's a battle going on. Don't just, oh, well, I don't see any... That's stupid. Grandma taught you something. Mom taught you something. Start making it yours. That's the apple of my eye. I want a girl just like the girl that married dear old dad. She was a pearl. And the, okay, you got the idea. 
Yeah. Now, see, and it actually makes this, it uses this analogy because most men, we're just, we're sinners. You know, and I'm telling you, you can drive down the street. I never, and please forgive me, I didn't check out my grandma. Never, she never tempted me. She had a long dress, she, you know, big, nice hair, gold teeth, though, wow. My wife won't do that. But anyway, and she, you know, she made baklava, she always said, oh, love her, stuff like that. Now, going down the street, oh, it doesn't matter how you dress. How many people here believe that? No, because you can watch grandma, how many people are stumbled by the Mennonites? You got all floozy-loozy. You go, something happens. Whoa. Well, because she doesn't really have the goods. She's deceiving us. Just now, I'm not, now, translate that into what this is talking about. There's some deception going on. Go to church again. Raise your kids again. We're yelling at our kids again. I'm doing my homework again. Got to practice the piano again. Got to do what I'm told again. That's a good thing. When over here, the old grasshopper, look, he gets to play whatever he wants. Look, he gets to dress whatever he wants. I bet you she's the most popular person in school. Yeah. Right. Now, this is truth. Okay. Beheld us, simple ones. Okay. Passing, discern, okay. And beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youth, young men void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way of her house. He's out there wandering around. Now, if you're just wandering around, Someone is going to say to you, you don't have to do that. You really can steal. It's okay. You really don't have to listen to you. It's okay to have. And I'm not, okay, I know some of us, not us. Some of us have tattoos. Some of us got piercings. Some of us are hanging around with the wrong people. Some of us are, you know, not cleaning our rooms. I understand that. It's time to get over that. Admit it. I know you're not perfect, but let's start dropping it. Okay, I want to be able to speak because it's got to come down to some reality. It's okay to do this. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay if you want to be a simple one. That's starting to check out some other things that you didn't learn at home. Someone say, get lost, or amen. Yeah. Thank you, hon. Passing through the streets, passed by a corner, and went by the way of her house. Don't go to someone else's house. They do that at Joe's house. They do that. No, don't care. We don't, I don't do that. And if you love me, it'll be the apple of your eye, too, and guess what? It will keep you. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of times... Oh, boy. This is getting exciting now. All right. We'll, we'll have to wait on this, huh? Because we got chapter 8 to go through, too. But this is, this is, this is too good. Uh, let's read a few more verses. It gets to be fun. In, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black... When you're doing good, when the sun is shining, you're not tempted... You know, we only really... It, it's like in the dark of the night. Oh, they get to do that at that place. Oh, that school's better than this one. Oh, that church is... And in the dark of your night, you start comparing some things, don't you? And what does the Bible say about people who compare themselves amongst themselves? You're not too bright. You're a simple one. And you start saying, oh, wait a minute in the twilight, in the evening, in the black of the night. And beheld, when you start looking for something else, guess what? Behold, you will find it. 
I don't know how this happened. Well, I was hanging around with everybody smoking dope. I don't know how I started smoking dope. I don't know how I got in trouble. I was just hanging out in this car with, you know, the, the gang members. I don't know how I started getting away from the church. I'm, you know, been just down to the bar last week. Now, I know I'm making it a little simple. But it starts out with, yeah. Behold, there met him a woman. There she is again, that woman. It wasn't the wisdom woman. There's another woman. And behold, with her attire of a harlot. Now, how do you know a harlot, according to the Bible? I would be careful the way you dress. Now, I'm going to just stop here. Husbands, we sometimes have a problem. There are some things... See, women are a very complex kind of a deal because they have to be mothers. You want them to be grandmas and it's kind of virtue of beauty and of holiness. And yet they're wise and they're lovers and they're, they're kind of attractive. I heard a thing on TV. Someone said, we always make it as, you're, you're making women are a sex object. And the guy goes, yeah. I mean, they are. When you want to, you know, most of the times they're selling stuff to make it look attractive. They don't have men on there. I mean, even when they're selling to women, there's something there that goes, whoa. That's, you know, pretty neat. And, you know, it's not my grandma. Now, because there's something in the natural man, remember this is part of our carnal nature, that we like easy stuff. We're lazy people. We like something that ain't going to cost us any commitment, and it looks like it's free. We're going to be done with it and move on. That's what it's talking about here. So there's a way, like I said, the kids are checking you out. You can tell, I don't, I, this isn't me. God says you look like a harlot. Now, I don't think that's a compliment. And I don't think that's something we should aspire to. Now, that could be physically, but it also could be mentally. Well, I just, I mean, you know, I'm kind of, no, you look like a harlot to me. I don't want, I don't want any, anything to do with that. And the problem is, now men, I'm going to end there because there's just too much here to go on. Men, this is practical stuff as well. You can change it. See, God actually is speaking to us very spiritually but he actually makes it a practical message, like a, like a parable. See, he's talking about, okay, how many people don't, how many people know you shouldn't go down to Van Buren and pick up a harlot tonight? Okay, that's, I mean, that's, that's the given lesson. That's not what he's talking about only, okay? There's a, how many people didn't know you shouldn't do that? <laughs> okay. The problem is, men, sometimes, just like I said, you're going to have to put down some of your desires. Oh, but I like my wife to look like a surtuk. I'm not going to say it in English. You can put it together. I like the way she wears. Well, there's some things I like my wife to wear she doesn't wear. There's certain things that... There's certain things... See, like, did you know that in this building there's all kinds of electrical wires and stuff and plumbing? You don't see them, do you? And you don't want to see them, do you? Got the point? There's certain things, like I said, women have this unique thing. They have to be all of these things. There's a place for this and a place for that. And when you're out here, that's not the place for a lot of stuff. Now, that's this the physical stuff, but also how are we talking? How are we speaking? How are we acting? What example am I showing to the children, to the devils, to principality, to my own self, to my own conscience? Am I coming up or am I just going back to... That's the way I've always done things. I don't see anything wrong. No change. Or there comes a place to where, you know what? 
Like I said, I, I, I could wear just about anything. I can eat just about anything. I can do just about anything. And I tell you, I'm, I'm not speaking like, again, I've got a lot more faults than I have, and I don't have time to do that. But there's things that's not what I govern my life on. There's things that we do and we don't do because that's what I've inspected and what I should be doing. And I go, you know what? We don't act like that. We don't put that on because it's sending a message that I don't want to send. Are you, uh, how, 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 are you understanding what I'm speaking? Not just on the physical, but the physical is just a manifestation of what's really going on in here. And as we read that next, the next few verses of that, it comes very clear, like I said, there's a social conscience that is becoming seared, that affects you as well. If you're looking out the window and going over, man, I just, wow, I, wow, I didn't know we could do that. That's why I would be very careful of what we're doing. There's a lot of us involved, and I've spoken on this before, and I'm, like I said, I have no such doctrine. Beware how you're texting, how you're Facebooking. Those things are eternally recorded for all practical purposes. And the Bible says, and I think, like, again, we have lots of tools we need to deal with. We have to deal with automobiles. That's a tool. There's a proper way to use it. There's a proper tool on a house. There's a proper tool on clothing. There's a pro- these are all money. All these are proper tools. We have just been inundated with all these other tools. Now, I know there's a, there's a right way to use those things. But if you're just empty talking and filling up your time with that, that is wrong, in my opinion, and I would not do it. Because you're going to be held in account for every idle word. I went to the bathroom. I'm going to the store. I did. That is foolishness. That is corrupting. And I'm just telling you, that is corrupting you. And, and changing your conscience from what it should be to, well, I don't say anything. I just, because I, I play chess online. Down at the rug store, I have, I have time. And you know, it's very tempting to say, oh, you idiot, you made it. Because I feel anonymous. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, make a sad face. And I go, you know what? Can't do that. That's just the wrong thing to do. Oh, you stupid. You can't do that. Sometimes, you know, you put the jackass up and you can't do that. But see, oh, well, yeah, I just... No, 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 that's not my calling. Right. I am not to be engaged in idle chatter right. and empty conversation. And that's not what we do. You know, I would take these things to heart and say, okay, you know, even though I... Because I know, you know well, that's just a... Gen- no, it's not a generational thing. There's things that you do and there's things you don't do that will either perpetuate a good character or an empty one. And this is what the book of Proverbs is talking about. So... I'm admonishing you in reality and in the Lord. Me too. Like I said, I'm going to we'll go on this. And uh, I don't think m- many of my faults are hidden from you. And I want, I'll confess those. But there are some things also that says, you know what? There's a guy on TV that's, uh, his name is O'Reilly. And he has this saying, and it's a pretty good saying, you don't justify bad behavior by pointing to other bad behavior. Well, my sister did it too. That doesn't matter. Well, you're, well, you're not perfect. That doesn't matter. We're aspiring to press towards the mark of the high calling in spite of myself. Amen? Amen. Okay. We'll move on with this com- more completely, and maybe on Wednesday we'll get to talk about more. So, amen. We have a piano recital at what time? Three o'clock. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let all your sins be forgiven and be blessed. Amen.